0: The patches of light disappeared, and the country opened out. The plain banked. Ross, with all the familiar landmarks of his world gone, could not have said if they were headed north or south. But moments later, not even the thick curtain of snowflakes could blot out the pattern of red lights on the ground, and the helicopter settled down. Come on. For the second time, Ross obeyed. He stood shivering, engulfed in a miniature blizzard. His clothing, protection enough in the city, did little good against the push of the wind. A hand gripped his upper arm, and he was drawn forward to a low building. A door banged, and Ross and his companion came into a region of light and very welcome heat. Sit down, over there. Too bewildered to resent orders, Ross sat. There were other men in the room. One, wearing a queer suit of padded clothing, a bulbous headgear hooked over his arm, was reading a paper. The Major crossed to speak to him, and after they conferred for a moment, the Major beckoned Ross with a crooked finger. Ross trailed the officer into an inner room lined with lockers. From one of the lockers, the Major pulled a suit like the pilot's and began to measure it against Ross. All right, he snapped. Climb into this. We haven't all night. Ross climbed into the suit. As soon as he fastened the last zipper, his companion jammed one of the domed helmets on his head. The pilot looked in the door. We'd better scramble, Kelgaris, or we may be grounded for the duration. They hurried back to the flying field. If the helicopter had been a surprising mode of travel, this new machine was something straight out of the future. A needle-slim ship, poised on fins, its sharp nose lifting vertically into the heavens. There was a scaffolding along one side, which the pilot scaled to enter the ship. Unwillingly, Ross climbed the same ladder and found that he must wedge himself in on his back, his knees hunched up almost under his chin. To make it worse, cramped as those quarters were, he had to share them with the Major. A transparent hood snapped down and was secured, sealing them in. During his short lifetime, Ross had often been afraid, bitterly afraid. He had fought to toughen his mind and body against such fears. But what he experienced now was no ordinary fear. It was panic, so strong that it made him feel sick. To be shut in this small place with the knowledge that he had no control over his immediate future brought him face to face with every terror he had ever known, all of them combined into one horrible whole. How long does a nightmare last? A moment? An hour? Ross could not time his... But at last, the weight of a giant hand clamped down on his chest, and he fought for breath until the world exploded about him. He came back to consciousness slowly. For a second he thought he was blind. Then he began to sort out one shade of grayish light from another. Finally, Ross became aware that he no longer rested on his back, but was slumped in a seat. The world about him was wrung with a vibration that beat in turn through his body. Ross Murdoch had remained at liberty as long as he had, because he was able to analyze the situation quickly. Seldom in the past five years had he been at a loss to deal with any challenging person or action. Now he was aware that he was on the defensive and was being kept there. He stared into the dark and thought hard and furiously. He was convinced that everything that was happening to him this day was designed with only one end in view, to shake his self-confidence and make him pliable. Why? Ross had an enduring belief in his own abilities, and he also possessed a kind of shrewd understanding, seldom granted to one so young. He knew that while Murdoch was important to Murdoch, he was none too important in the scheme of things as a whole. He had a record, a record so bad that Rawl might easily have thrown the book at him, but it differed in one important way from that of many of his fellows. Until now, he had been able to beat most of the raps. Ross believed this was largely because he had always worked alone and taken pains to plan a job in advance. Why now had Ross Murdoch become so important to someone that they would do all this to shake him? He was a volunteer. For what? To be a guinea pig for some bug they wanted to learn how to kill cheaply and easily? They'd been in a big hurry to push him off base. Using the silent treatment, this rushing around in planes, they were really working to keep him groggy. So, all right, he'd give them a groggy boy all set up for their job, whatever it was. Only, was his act good enough to fool the major? Ross had a hunch that it might not be, and that really hurt.